Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. We are back for another episode. Hey, Brent, how you doing? I'm doing swell, Alan. Wow. You know, it's it's been a break, huh? It looks like, uh, what, August 17th? Have three we weeks? Had, we, had, we had a three-week break. We shifted. Uh, crap goes on. That happens. We are inconsistent. Uh, but we are consistently inconsistent. Sometimes two, sometimes three, occasionally four, and occasionally one week between episodes. I, I was just thinking through. I was looking at the last so the last episode. We get something that I think we're not super accustomed to recently. And that is uh, we got praise for it. Uh, high praise. Uh, shocking. Uh, what did we talk about in that episode? I don't know. And and then you called it Azure powered. Oh, I did I because you talked about Azure, so I called it. Uh, we we were talking about names for Windows, I think, and it should oh. be Azure powered. It made sense to those <laughs> listening. So unlike this episode, so yeah, here we are. Hello, people watching the live stream. I'm sorry that it sucks, but we'll do better. Really? Do you have like anything new we should talk about before we dive into talking about me? <laughs> you just can't oh. stop fidgeting with the crap around you, can you? Yeah. I, All it, right. I, I think I've. So we've joked in the past about the podcast being ADD ridden. Uh, I don't know that I mentioned before. I have a child that has been diagnosed with it. And I haven't gone in, but if it's genetic, I yeah. think yeah, everyone I, I, I knows I where it came I from. I don't think you need to go in. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, positive news. Uh, see, uh, I don't think we talked about it. So you remember that I I screwed up my hand, my finger? Yes, I do remember. Uh, did we do an episode post surgery? No, no, I don't think so. No, we have no, not. No, we did so, not. So I did, did they plant a chip in you? Uh, if they did, I I can't tell. All right, what did they do? Hey everyone, Alan hopping in here for a little overdub. I've just edited out about 25 minutes of Brent talking about the recent surgery on his hand. Brent's okay. He was a little anxious before the surgery, but now we can get back on with the podcast. So on the podcast, I think part of our partnership is I'm representing the IQ side of the house and you're representing the EQ. Uh, uh, not to say that, uh, Lisa. No, that's totally true. You're, you're the smart one. I'm the entertaining uh, one. In, in your case, though, it's not that you're a dumbass either. Uh, although in my case, um, I, I tell my team, I have two emotions. I use I use neither of them very often but when i do i am all in that is all i do and this one uh yeah it was anytime i can i i can go wow i cannot push this emotion into its little box where i normally put emotions um it's the right thing to do is take any emotion that you feel squish it up into a metaphorical little ball as tight as you can and shove it as deep inside of you as you can and keep it there. Right, right. It's exactly right. And then 
you know, you put it in a little box and then you take that box and you squish it up into a little ball and you put a little, another little box and then you go find some deep. And then you lock the box. Absolutely. Uh, you lock the box, you hide it in a little dark internal corner. You, you, you close and you lock up the door to that little corner. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could do this forever, yeah. but. Yeah, we're not we're not good, no. but we I, I we we get the point. So you got your hand uh you got your hand fixed and it freaked you out and now you're better. Well, not entirely. Now you're getting better. Getting better. Now they're gonna amputate your hand. I don't think they're gonna go that far. Um okay. although, although this is uninteresting. Let's move on. Discussion like if they were to do that, right? Yeah. Should I go with like full on hook? Are, or? are you just like gonna stare at your hand the entire episode? Uh it's that's Maybe. that's quiet, right? Do you want me to do something else? Maybe. No, okay. no, you're, you're you're good. Yeah, play play with your hand. Play with your hand. Hey, I I want to talk about well, your your EQ thing reminded me of a story I have to tell now, and then I want to talk about the other thing I want to talk about, which is me. But you'll have inputs. Uh, we are in the middle of we do uh, promotions twice a year in our org at Unity, and. We uh, have modified very carefully because I know at scale it's gone very badly. We have modified sort of what Google do for promotions. We have... Oh, promotions uh, here in this case does not mean like PR events. It means, hey, annual review no, time, blah, blah, blah. Promoting. Okay. No, we don't really do annual reviews, but we do we do look at people for promotion twice a year. Okay. And what we do is at Google as... Many of you may know uh, an employee can anyone can choose when they want to be they feel like they should be promoted and they prepare a packet of materials describing what they've done and a uh, a panel of people independent, not your manager, goes and reviews that. Ours is very similar. However, uh, we the employee doesn't do it by themselves. It's the manager recommendation, but it's a collaboration between the manager and the employee that makes sure that it's fair. Uh, and then we're in the middle of this, but anyway, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm leading one of the panels and for a couple of the more senior promotions. And uh, I, I lead some meetings at unity where I have to be strict father figure. Not, you know, the, uh, how should I describe this? Uh, no, I get it. You're the you're, you're you the adult it. in the it, room. It you're the one. I the have bar to be raiser. the major adult in the room and make sure and and really push stuff along and be good. This was a small panel of senior people, and we had really good information prepared. And the goal of the meeting is to reach alignment on on a bunch of criteria of evaluation. And but we had all the information we needed to do well. So I'm kind of having fun, making sure it's fun to go through it. And there is one of the newer directors who I haven't interacted with a lot one-on-one. -on -one. And I was doing my normal joking around, and he said something that I both felt good and bad about at the same time. He goes, and I, and I won't try and do his Scottish accent, but imagine this in Scottish. I've never seen this Alan. This Alan is fun. And I thought, well, that's nice that you're having a good time here, but I'm sorry that you don't think I'm fun all the time. <laughs> I have to project my my fun, Alan, uh, uh, more often. So I, I feel bad. Did you, did some you, people think I'm not fun. Yeah. You, did you bring Patron into the meeting? Did you introduce people to the group hug? No, and no. Uh, yeah. 
So uh, that's been going on. I have a couple of my folks being uh, promoted. I have no idea how they're doing. I prepared packets for them. I worked with them to prepare them, and we'll see how they are reviewed. One cool thing about this process is uh, the goal of the process is not to get people promoted. The goal of the process is for people put up for promotion, no matter what happens, whether they're promoted or not, that they feel like the process is fair and they get good feedback as part of the process. the committee. Like I, I still have to prepare and consolidate a bunch of feedback that my panel has written. And what we'll do is we'll give the decision along with a page of feedback on things that they're doing well, the areas of growth, we'll give that to the manager to present to them. So it's a, it's a cool process. So anyway, fun, I, I, it made me think of a fun Allen versus unfun Allen. So my favorite part of that is um, if you remember the part where I'm fun. The part is that your favorite part where I'm fun. Oh no, no. The, okay. The, the um, so I think I think my experience of you is probably sixty percent the the fun Alan, and then forty percent the the pain in the ass adult person Alan. Sometimes you have to get people to get stuff. Done. No, get it, get it. Now I get, I can, and to be clear. I can get people to get stuff done fun, but yeah, I, yeah, I know we all get it. So in, in my team, uh, there's actually a name for it. Uh, and I have an employee. Oh, is uncle PD the fun Brent or the unfun Brent? No, uh, I haven't told you the uncle PD story. No, but I don't want to hear it. Yeah, go, right. on. So, go, go on with story number so one. So story number one uh, is there's a name for it within my team. And and one of my employees, who's also super high in EQ, uh, she's the team's uh, monitor. They, think of it like a, like a testing and production, a live site alert system. And she's like, uh, guys, uh, Brent's in command mode. Um, uh, so it comes from the fact that, so if you remember long, long, long ago, I put you through the strength finders stuff. Yes. I, I still, I just pulled that out recently. One of the strengths is one called command. And that's not one of mine. It's, it's not in my top five, but it is in my top 10. It's something that I use, uh, not every day. Um, but maybe once a week, once every two weeks. And when I'm in command mode, it's essentially in the next five minutes, a decision is going to be made. That's, that's command mode. I don't care where the decision comes from. Uh, I would prefer it become from, from you all. And it's something, something beneficial to everyone. But come hell or high water, there is going to be a decision in the next five minutes. That, that that's that's command mode in a nutshell. Uh, the uh, the second story I have already forgotten it. No, no, we can we can skip Uncle Petey for oh. now. But I want to give you a quiz. I want to give you a quiz first, then Uncle Petey, and then my oh, stuff. Okay. You can have your some of your stuff. I'm going to give you a. I have my top five strength finder categories in front of me. I will give you one point for everyone you can guess. Given it to me. So if I just stall long, don't look at no, no, no. enough. So okay, you don't get to know. So uh, the one, the one I, I I experience all the time 
So one of my strengths is called individualizer. And what that means is I'm, I'm actually really good at seeing uh, the strengths of individuals. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. What are mine? Uh, you're, the, the, like, I'm glad your arms are folded so you're not typing. This is one, good. I just want you to guess. One that uh, I know of um, and I see all of the time. Uh, you use this all of the time. It might even be your number one. I don't remember the order. Uh, is Achiever. Um, that is number three. Nice job. I work hard and possess a great deal of stamina. I take immense satisfaction in being busy and productive. Productive more than busy. But yeah. Uh, yeah. The the thing that's interesting about achievers is um, so every strength uh, is also a weakness. <laughs> is this like the job interview when you say, "Do you have any weaknesses?" Yeah. Sometimes I work too hard. Yeah. So that's not something I would say, but it would something. It's something that you would say, um, uh, potentially as an achiever. But the 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 weakness. It, it's really what drives achievers. Achievers are allergic, and that's just absolutely the right way of saying it. They are allergic to being idle. They cannot stand idle time. Which which ends up being kind of a crappy thing when you're stuck at home all the time, so you end up working a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, like I, I'm I mean, imagining yeah. like your backyard is freaking weed-free, Um the front yard's looking good um you're like crap i need something to do on the weekends uh oh when's the last time we fertilized home depot trip right um crap like that for you uh here i'm kind of cheating now because i'm i'm not leveraging my uh individualization i am just trying to remember i will strategic I i think it was one as well Numero uno. um, I figure out how to get shit done and then get stuff done. Well, so actually the thing that's interesting uh, is futuristic in one of yours. No, it's not. And I'll actually just give them to you so we can move on. But uh, Strength Finder is a book. If you buy the book, you can take the quiz and evaluate it. I thought about doing it. uh, uh, You can pay for more advanced stuff, but I like it. It does describe. It reminds me what I'm good at. What I need to, which is good for me sometimes when I'm just doing a bunch of different things. Number one is strategic, uh, which is faced with given scenario, quickly spot the relevant uh, patterns and issues. I do this all the time. Number two, you're not going to be surprised with is learner. Mm. My superpower to success is I am totally unafraid to take on stuff I haven't done before and figure out how to do it as I go along. And I leverage my strategic in order to do that. Number three is talked about is achiever. Number four is analytical. And really it goes to strategy as I think about all the factors that might affect the situation. And number five is intellection, uh, introspective and appreciate intellectual discussions. So none of these should be surprising to it, it, it anyone who knows me. Um, so, yeah, actually, I, I would never in a million years have remembered intellection. The, uh, the mine. So, so the one thing that's interesting about uh, you being like your particular package of top five, uh, I mean, it's well suited for the role that you're in. I mean, the uh, strategic is number one. Uh, 
Uh, and I don't want to go. This isn't the Strength Finders episode. No, it's not. Uh, but what most people will see of you is your first strength. Uh, but the thing that is fascinating about about the Strength Finders stuff is that in general, what your goal is, like, um, you can think of it this way: you use the top four strengths to achieve some goal around the fifth one. So huh. uh, usually, in, yeah, I don't know. About in, that. in my case, uh, uh, it's it's not true, but uh, I will say that in the majority of the folks that, that I've tested that one with, uh, it is true. I, um, this is something that Gartner, so Gartner put together this thing and they have done like 50 years of multiple different sort of um, tests on it. Um, the thing that I find fascinating in your top five uh, that's interesting, and I think thinking back, it makes sense with sort of your personal struggle is, so these things fall into individual pillars and in none of your top five, none of them, uh, is there anything relating to uh, people? Uh, whereas I have two in my top five. I, I wonder if it makes a difference that, I mean, these should be my strengths no matter what, but I remember when I took this, I was an IC, but uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go too deeply into it. I do want to talk about people and especially the learning attribute. So how does your team learn new stuff? Like what opportunities, what, what circumstances occur when your teams have the steepest learning curve? What happens in your product? And I'm totally, I'm trying not to lead you, but I'm just curious. Uh, can you think of a circumstance where your team went on a steep learning curve? Oh, I'm, I'm, like the the one that's the most prevalent to me is I'm still in the middle of it, right? Um, starting back in May, uh, I doubled the size of my team with all new non-Microsoft folks. So a, a variety of them had industry experience in the past, but not here at Microsoft. And introducing them to, to two concepts um, number one, the Kanban concept, it is definitely not typical to, uh, even if you're in the industry, um, to run a data science team using an agile method. It, it's, it's, it's coming up. It happens more frequently now than it did, say, five years ago. Um, but it's still atypical, uh, not typical. Um, uh this matter of fact, having any structure at all. Uh, so when we grabbed a bunch of these folks, a um, couple of them came from academia, which has their own sort of long, it's more of a waterfall-ish type process, right? Um, their job... Yep, their job is to research. research, produce papers. There's a six to nine month structure, and that might even be the fast track for, for postdocs. In an industry, uh, a lot of the times companies will hire what they hope is a unicorn. They will hire um, 
And larger companies don't do this, but smaller companies, they'll hire a data scientist because uh, they know they need one. And But then the, the guy shows up and they don't know what to do with them. They don't know how to manage their career. They don't have the mentor. So those folks um, get, get accustomed to a good deal of autonomy once they figure out how to survive in that environment. So what I'm dealing with right now is actually, uh, and the second one is my expectations of, of the data scientists is that they pick up the development skills as well. My goal uh, in one to two years is that I, I am fully a, a full stack data science team. Uh, if it, 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 and then in three years, four years, I'm actually going to shift it. it. It's essentially we're a development team with a strong specialization in data. So you're you're in a growth path to get there on your vision. We are, we are. Um, but every time we get a new set of people with their old culture, it it kind of slows down the team dynamics. So for me, uh, and remember the A B testing is since the A comes first, it's about me. The biggest opportunities for organizational learning, and I'm a big fan of Peter Singate's fifth discipline about learning, and I liked. I do a lot of things in retros, et cetera, to focus on learning in the organization. But but the the bumps in learning for the organization happen when we have incidents in production. When something when we have an operational surprise and we can find because there's we we don't just ship crap. Things happen, usually because of a cascade of failures, a bunch of things going wrong at once, and both uh, people problems and uh, infrastructure or environment problems and something goes wrong and we get a massive opportunity to learn new stuff that we can share across the organization. So I also just recently as of yesterday uh, doubled the size of my team. Well, that is a bigger thing, right? Because uh, your team is wasn't tiny to begin with if i recall correctly so i have about 60 right now total but what i what i cover now in my organization is the organization i added is the uh, i'm not gonna it's an internal group name so i'll just describe it maybe let's put it this way so the big the big new thing i picked up is our site reliability engineering team the team of about 20 people 18 people who manage our incident process for all of unity around the world okay so anytime there's an incident we have a bot that spins up a channel people drive discussions make sure we get to get the mitigation happening people help shepherd the issue bring in the right people etc so that team is with me so now i get to any worry i had in the past about not getting optimal learning over incidents is now my fault. And the other piece, the, the other pieces, uh, right, which is good, right? Yep. The other pieces I picked up are more of DevOps sort of teams that are working on infrastructure company-wide. So I'm also now responsible for not all of it, 90%, 95% of the infrastructure we use to deploy services across the entire company. Okay, no big deal. You got this. No big deal. No big deal. Just, just got to ship stuff. <laughs> no problems. But it's fun because what what happened with this latest merger we did, right? Last time my team grew, which was only a month ago, uh, the last time my team grew, we merged uh, actually the org that I used to be in largely with the org that I'm in to put 
almost all of our services in one place. But now, uh, even the services that aren't in my organization are supported by my organization in some way. Fun stuff, all stuff I like to do. I like to work on the stuff that makes things go. So uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I haven't even met with most of the, I met with all of the people who will become my new direct reports already, but I look forward to getting to meet more of the team. And these people I've worked with, I've worked with all of them in one way or another up until now, just because I'm always in the incident channels uh, in my other roles, trying to figure out what's going on and to, and to push things along. So uh, lots more to do. So we could go a couple different directions from here. You could just ask me random questions about the org and what I'm going to do, or we could talk about incident management in general because there's a bunch of different ways to do that. But before I do that, I want to share one one observation that came uh, from this merger last month. We have a another we have a couple new directors uh, in the org, and when we made this announcement internally to my peer group, one of the more senior people said isn't SRE just a culture and not a role? And before I could even answer, my manager said, yeah, same thing with DevOps. I thought it was interesting that I'm glad he got where I was. DevOps is not a role. It's a culture. We have a team to help promote that culture. And the SRE team does the same thing. So I'm glad everyone recognized that right off. But and, uh, where do you want to go maybe from Maybe you just uh, already answered my question because. Damn, I'm good. Uh, on a recent episode of AB Testing, Alan and Brent discuss WTF is Alan's new team's name. Oh yeah, we talked about that before. I I was gonna call it delivery, but now I I, I was which was pretty close, but I threw that away once I I knew I was picking up everything else. And so what is it so now? It's, it's back to being called it's back to being called Allen Team for now because we don't have a better name. Allen Team, at that's cool. You could use the at sign. You just caught that. No. Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> Not on, not on. All right. That was your question. Well, oh, your question was what to call the team. I don't know what to call it. Not going to worry about it. For okay. The right name will evolve as we grow. But one thing I had noticed is uh, my local organization DevOps team and the work they were doing was overlapping a lot with this global infrastructure group. And to the point where we had to have a discussion just before this or this reorg was announced where we were trying to figure out where should people ask questions about tool X because you own it, but we support it or we support or we own it and you support it. So now it's all just, it streamlines a lot of confusing situations to think of our customers being the people trying to develop services across the unity. There's confusion in where to ask questions or where to get support or what to do in a certain situation. Now we can streamline a lot of that much easier. Sounds so I'm excited. This sounds is me being awesome. excited. And I have people on the team who go, Oh, this is so great to have these things aligned. So yeah, yeah. So all part of my So how did SRE plan. come into this? Like So uh, SRE were part of that group. So there was a group of it's a reliability engineering group, but they also handled a lot of infrastructure tools and groups. That that group included probably half the team were doing 
uh, tools and infrastructure work, things like managing the GitHub relationship and and some other company-wide tools. And as part of that, SRE is also company-wide. So they were separate. So now that my DevOps org actually is almost in all of the services of Unity, not quite company-wide, but pretty close, uh, it made sense to just to merge the company-wide stuff. And, and even my DevOps team does do some support outside of just our organization so now it's all just the, the charter now is all just our org supports service infrastructure deployment company-wide okay so makes a lot of sense why you want to talk about uh incident management yes yes because while i complain a lot about things that happened at microsoft and how i and not did not that I noticed when I was there, but when I left, I go, oh, this can be better. Uh, Microsoft did a pretty good job at incident management. And in most cases, having development teams own a larger part of it than we do here right now and having very small SRE teams per organization. So I want to talk about the pros and cons of that. On my last team at Microsoft, Microsoft Teams, which by the way, I ran in a browser on Linux for the first time yesterday and it worked. So congrats, Microsoft, for finally catching up. Uh, we had a very we had two people on our SRE team for Microsoft Teams and their job was entirely to to just really play oversight. We had the first person call, the first person page was not the SRE team. It was the developer who owned the particular service that went down, which I kind of like. The differences between that and what we do at Unity is the SRE team gets the first page so they can jump in and, and create the channel and monitor things. But within seconds, the the appropriate de- development owner development owners are involved in figuring out what's going on with the incident. I also know that a Microsoft Teams handled teams handle production incidents in different ways. So I'm curious, what have you seen as far as models for handling production incidents, and what do you think has worked well or not well? One of the things that's interesting, right? Because you shared your perspective. And so I got to figure out at the same time, I got to answer your question and figure out, okay, what's, what's, what may or may not uh, be an NDA violation. One of the things that's interesting is um, like the scenario you talked about, but there's another, there's another bigger problem when you're trying to do this at scale. Um, And Microsoft, so we talk about Azure, right? What is Azure? Good question. What is Azure? Uh, It's a a very pretty color. Um, I was going to say the same. Yeah, that just loaded a whole bunch of tangents, but I think we've we've killed our tangent. Control yourself. I think we killed our tangent quota for today. Um, The and and maybe for the next episode too, (laughs) possibly. Um, But by then we'll have forgotten it. Doing it at scale is a challenge. You throw in in addition to that, that is a metaphor I've been testing uh, internally. last couple of weeks um, it, in terms of trying to get people uh, so I'm in I'm in several executive meetings and trying to, to set a metaphor and and in a lot of regards Azure is like this is like a set of Lego blocks 
We have a whole bunch of of, of Lego blocks. Um, matter of fact, what was the the, the cool robot version of Legos? Um, my son, my son even has a set of it. Uh, I, I don't. It's the one where you can program it and cool, do cool things. The mind mind storm. storm mind. Yes, yeah. thank you. Happy to help, Brent. Right. Happy so, to help. but the one thing that that uh, so we have all these components, all these little different little blocks. But uh, as we've talked about before, uh, customers don't want software. They don't even if they come in nifty little components. What they want is a solution to a problem that they have. In a lot of regards, un unlike uh, Legos, which has a very clean um, interface for connecting components together, um, we don't. Uh, there, there's, and so one of the challenges is not only do we have to know when, when we have a, an incident, Right, uh, the the team that actually had the monitor to detect it may, in fact, not be the team that needs to be on the line, and so there's a whole lot of infrastructure around how do we how do we quickly get how do we quickly identify who is the relevant knowledge expert, get them on the line so we can start knocking down the incident there's a as you might expect there's a lot of process with that one right um and that is one place where the sre team here locally um has spent a, a good amount of time on optimizing it, it it fails a great deal um we still end up having like the old school bug ping pong issues uh, if you remember back in the day I recall. And, uh, but generally what happens when there's an incident, there is, there are three entities that get um, called into um, a, a, a public um, teams meeting. I'm currently I'm forgetting the name that we use for this. Uh, so a call is spawned. A conference call is created, um, and three people get immediately added. And that's that is a key. The 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 current incident manager within SRE, uh, the current incident manager from our customer experience team, um, the, because they are the ones accountable for socializing any any customer centric message that we're going to send out. Uh, say in a broadcast or to to sit, say the set of um, impacted customers, they're the ones that own that messaging. Um, and then uh, a person who owns the monitor that that triggered. Okay, and then um, on that call, there's there's a lot of positive handoff. Uh, we we. Um, uh, and again, there's that quest for what's the cause as quickly as possible. Who's the who's the knowledge expert um, uh, to go even deeper? Okay. There's a lot of post 
incident process as well. So this is the part, and and all that administrivia was very interesting, Brent. Actually, it it really it was interesting, uh, but it's the it's the post part that I think I care about. Oh, a lot. Okay. So there's a lot of work to happen to make sure stuff gets resolved. We drive. We are not as good as I want to be at our time to detect and time to mitigate. So we work on improving those. But the work on improving those doesn't happen during the incident. Once the incident is resolved, uh, the other thing our SRE team does is make sure that we have a one, a RCA document. And sometimes it's depending on the team, it can be more of a tax that's filled out versus driving towards a learning experience. Uh, and also make tracking to make sure that improvements are being made as a result of this and, and that some of those improvements or where applicable are organization-wide or company-wide and not just uh, a quick fix on the team. So in driving those, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, other thing is I defined, you know, we define incidents as an operational surprise. So we're pretty liberal about opening these. So one thing having the, lar- the slightly larger uh SRE team helps is we have prior one incidents, which are kind of what you're calling about, which require all hands on deck. Let's get this resolved as soon as possible. And that's where I really worry about that time to mitigate and time to resolve. But sometimes something is just wrong. It's not causing any customer impact, but we know from our monitoring and alerts that it's wrong. And we'll open up an incident on that because again, going by an incident being an operational surprise, we're surprised by the way things look. CPU usage up by 20% in this node. Okay, let's go. Let's open an incident and go look at that if we don't understand it right away. And then we'll take the time to figure it out. Okay, we got this. Then we can, the chances are from that, we may find something we've learned in, in systemic behavior that we can go I- either implement at an infrastructure level to make sure there's better monitoring in place or just to educate teams on why these things may happen so they're not surprised by those in the future. So those, I don't know how often, I don't recall doing the latter class at, at Microsoft as incidents, but we try and track all those operational surprises just to make sure that not just the customer-facing bugs or customer-facing issues cause that reflection to happen, but taking all opportunities we can find to learn and get better. So one of the tweaks I'm going to make to the system is I feel like the process of analyzing an incident and doing a root cause analysis document has become a little rote-like and task-like and not emphasizing learning. So I think that's one of the tweaks I'll make. That's Again, going back to my learner attribute, I'm really stoked about that as an So outcome. I am... It, it, it fascinates me um, how often I find that your work and my work are in alignment. Uh, unfortunately, in this particular, so um, it's something uh, my manager knows this. Uh, it's something that I have been trying to shed from my responsibilities for the better part of the two years. Uh, but he and I are partners on it, and he refuses to go alone, um, which understandably, um, where I in his his shoes, so we have a post mortem process, is what we call it. Um, we have there is a non trivial retrospective that occurs for each of these things. 
Um, yeah, and we do those for the pri- the ones that have customer impact. We do an in-person retro as well. And there's an expectation of uh, what we call repair items that will get communicated. Um, the SRE team has done a, a – I'll give them a C plus, B minus on this uh, uh, because – those processes, the identification, the postmortem, and the repair, um, they too have become, as you call, rote, right? And uh, they're they're a bit of a of a make work exercise. And whenever I get on a meeting with 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 um, folks, um, I share two stories. Um, one of the the biggest issues, and and I don't think. I'm violating NDA by sharing this um, because I think it's a common thing. Are if you, you go read Google's uh, SRE thing, it's a problem that they have as well. Although I suspect, um, uh, well, Google wrote the book on SRE, uh, literally. Um, uh, I think I think they just have a, a maturity that. We in Azure only have in, in in it's not holistic. It's not it's not something that is part of the whole Azure culture just yet. Um, anyway, when we go through this, uh, one of the things that I have noticed. So I read every postmortem um, every month. The quality of these things uh, just range. Um, Yep, uh, I see the same thing. It, um, uh, one of the statements hey, a, is, what I, was I, the customer impact? Okay. Um, and I cannot tell you the number of conversations I've had with folks around. The answer to that question is a freaking number. Okay. Yes, and actually, that, that's what we track there. Alan, um, I cannot hear you. You just went... That's exactly what we track there okay. because, uh, sorry, I muted so I could type something a minute oh, ago. Uh, Yulia recommended that I install the MS Teams app or said there's a Teams app available for Linux. I said, no way I'm installing that crap. But uh, I had two quick thoughts and I've forgotten one of them. One of them is I think our roles align because even though neither of us are anything close to a testing role, we both are still driven by the modern testing principles. That's our life. And so, we, of course, we align things those way. Uh, but in our incidents, there's a field, a must-be-filled-out field, which is uh, not customer impact, but revenue impact. And people have to go work with the BI team and figure out if there was a revenue impact and put it in there. And I track that because I want to know one of my metrics I track is percentage of net revenue lost due to incidents so that that so customer impact comes out as a number and that number has a dollar sign in front of yeah it. the interesting thing is so we spawned up a process about a year ago to try to pull to do exactly that um uh in our case though um that data is considered at the source is considered uh, GDPR, and once you put those four letters on any data source, people are like, "Whoa, nope, not, not, not touching, not touching it. that one." Nope, 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 because every data point 
I have to add, you know, 60 weeks of effort to guarantee I'm caretaking it. It's just a lot easier to say, nope. Come on, Microsoft's rich. Just pay the fines. <laughs> uh, yeah, no one wants to be the person that, that's first in the news for doing that one either. Um, <laughs> Facebook, we're already first in the news. Uh, no, I mean like internally. And I, I don't want to be the first ah, person gotcha. in Microsoft uh, for that one. No, thank you. Someone else can go first. Let me tell you a couple things that, that I've been beating hard on this topic. Um, uh, one that was very helpful, um, uh, and another one that, that's sort of my new meme. Um, so the first thing is I find, um, one of the problems that we had about two years ago is the way we define the SRE process we're essentially, so you called it priority. We call it severity. Okay? And it's essentially the class of the incident is defined by a single value. Okay? A, a, a P0, a P1. Yeah, and, and technically our pri is sev, but yeah. Okay. So I've done a lot of work um, to get that to be two values, not one. And the main reason why is if you look at it, uh, well, I don't know how Unity operates. So if a if a if a low, do you categorize your monitors? Do you, like if this monitor fires, it's it's a seventy five percent chance it's only going to be a P four. No. Okay. So when a monitor fires, is every monitor treated like a a potential? Uh, oh shit! Just yeah, we ha- it depends, but we have mostly smoke alarms. Okay, so you have a uh, yeah, you have a so in Unity you're going to have a a signal to noise problem that you're going to try to that you probably want to work exactly. through. Yeah, it it it's getting better. Definitely very good in some places, but it's an area I'm working on. So I do like uh, so Google and uh, their SRE. Uh, book they talk through their which by the way is an excellent freaking book it is uh and um it's interesting it was published i don't know 10 years ago now and uh, i think it's still very relevant to to today because there's a there's a lot of folks who um like google developed this from from essentially the the dominance in search um and both, uh, just like within Microsoft, like Bing has forgotten um, how to succeed at managing incidents that the rest of Microsoft, in, in some regards, has yet to learn. Yeah, and and keep in mind that Google is not a search engine company. Google is an ads company that happens to provide a search engine in order to further their main business. And that's similar to us in the fact ads are their revenue. And in the large part of my organization, that is true as well. Sure. The, um, what I was just saying is that the, they, they detail a review process uh, that they specifically have spawned up to essentially um, uh, evaluate 
the goodness or the the goodness of fit for monitors and and they will they will have the authority to to remove a monitor from the system hey you know what the last nine times out of ten this thing created noise uh this bad boy is gone what I have done uh, in, is change it to two variables, and I call them um, impact and urgency. Okay, because one of the things where our current system that prevented in it, uh, um, way we had modif- or was doing it, that your system you don't have to worry about it. You you don't yet have to worry about it. Uh, just remember that the the scale that we're talking about is fundamentally different between Unity and, and Azure here. The number of different teams, the number of different uh, people, it's just a fundamentally different scale. But so the the impact is intended to mean like how bad is it? Okay. Urgency though is how is was how quickly does someone need to get on it? Okay. And now the reason why I wanted to separate those two is because when they were combined together, people only got on it when the impact was bad. In other words, we didn't have something in the system that said, hey, this thing went down. We better get on it right now because in the next five minutes, we know from the domino chain, in the next five minutes, that's going to lead to a major outage. Someone needs to get on it right now to prevent an inbound outage, not an already occurring one. For sure. To move it to be more of a preventative thing. And we have teams that started using this. They're very successful. Um, unfortunately, it created a confusion um, because they were like, well, wait a minute. Why did you, why did you declare this as a, as a sub one when there's only two customers impacted? And they, they came to us and they were like, you guys are breaking the process, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, nope, they are not. And uh, I will go to Scott Guthrie if you even hint. Oh, yeah. Call dad oh, into the room. There, there you go. Go straight to so, Super God. Yeah. <laughs> so we do slightly different. I think uh, my approach is slightly different, but I think the same impact is, again, we don't have the scale. And when our stuff goes down, well, some of it can be really bad. But... I mentioned these pry two incidents for just an operational surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is a pry one by default. And the first thing you need to do is prove that it's not, if you if it's just a learning experience, the first thing you do is prove with data that it's not a pry one. We assume everything is urgent, like an operational surprise. We have to assume it's a, from initially that it's something we need to jump on. And then if someone says, Oh, this isn't that big of a deal. The, Assumed next step is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna prove that, and then once they've proved, yeah, this is not a big deal. This doesn't impact anyone. They can show data to show that, and then they can go investigate it at a at a slightly less urgent level. So it, it often is often what'll happen is it, what I'm saying is we discover the the urgency and impact sometimes in that initial investigation. There might be an incident that says it starts with installs are down 10 percent in this region. We'll open that as a pry one. Like, well, oh, this looks like just an, a reporting anomaly. Prove it. Oh, yes, it is a reporting anomaly. Oh, nope, reporting's right. This is a real big thing. So we have to get into the uh, we have to get into the investigation of the incident before we can start. 
we got someplace eventually. Uh, any final recaps or rebuttals or, well, or so things from you on that side other, before we close? There's one other thing I just want to share very quickly. So one of the things that I've discovered repeatedly in the, in the from reading the postmortems over and over again, and I'm actually publicly beginning to question, has anyone done any analysis specifically on whether or not the postmortems or even the the repairs that were targeted uh, have had an impact. Because the the thing that I've seen over and over again is what's happening with Azure right now is everything is not even the 1% scenario, but rather the uh, 0.01% scenario. Right, it's the really rare scenarios can have a particularly big impact, and because of those, re, right, we have an issue where the repair items, in my humble view, are unlikely to actually ever be needed again. Like this incident is unlikely to ever reproduce. the The other thing that we've discovered is one of the major causes is that every single uh, one of the major causes is actually manual intervention. That that's, that um, a, a developer had no choice but to override an automated system and they did so in error. And that's how I'm viewing it. Like anyone who has to do a yeah, manual no, intervention sure. is actually a victim and we need to figure out what broke in the that- process. When I do retros with teams, one of the the part of the speech I typically give at the beginning is this isn't about blame, not about blah, blah, blah. It's about figuring out what's wrong in the system that enabled this error to occur. Right. All right. That's a good way to close it. All right. Good, good All to right. see you. Let's do that. Good to see you again. I think next time we're doing two weeks, two weeks, we have a guest. Awesome. Unclear whether they'll allow us to live cast them, so I'll keep the channel posted. Uh, thanks, everyone. I'm still Alan. And I'm Brent. Au revoir.